0: Turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Acts, chapter 2. The book of Acts, chapter 2. Let's pray. Father, as we approach your word, Lord, we do so humbly and we do so reverently and thankfully. Lord, we just thank you for your precious word today. Lord, that we shall receive illumination. Lord, we purpose to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Everyone say, I'm a doer, I'm a doer of, the word of, God. of the word of God. You know, that's the people that get results, isn't it? Yeah. The ones that practice the word. Yeah. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2, and I want to read for a text, verse 37. Leading up to verse 37, we see where the, the Holy Spirit has been poured out and Peter begins to preach to the people. And what they do is they say, you know, what do do we do here? Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? You know, there always should be a response when we hear the Bible. And it's something that you always have to remind yourself. How do I apply this word? You know now, I love listening to different things i sometimes I'll listen to three, four or five pro- podcasts a day. It depends how long the message is. when you start being a hundred i mean like an hour and forty minutes it's kind of hard to put that many together. but I try to feed on the word as in, in, as I'm driving and doing other things and just take advantage of that time and um how many know you you need to feed your spirit whenever you can, but when what can happen sometimes is you can, it can be just like entertainment, like, boy, that was a good message. Let's listen to another one. Boy, that was good. Let's listen to another one. And it, it can be entertainment, and, and people do that and have no um, idea about putting it into practice. Boy, that was just really good preaching. What they preach about? Well, I don't know, but it was good. You know, people go to church and, and do that all the time. And so we had to put it into practice. These men said, "Men and brethren, what shall we do?" Then Peter said unto them, "Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call." One thing about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is it is a supernatural church. The church is supernatural. Amen. Everyone say the church is supernatural. That means it's beyond just the natural. It's beyond just the ordinary realm that we live in. There is a, should be a supernatural touch to the church, and also to our lives on a daily basis. Amen. I love hearing testimonies from different ones, and you know, sometimes uh, like Miss Sharon, she'll, she'll send us texts of, of different things happening, and I'm thinking, well, she's got stuff like Monday miracles, Tuesday miracles, Wednesday miracles, and that's the way it should be. So, any of your good testimonies, we want to hear them. Hallelujah. But, the Bible emphasizes that there is an experience that is, in, in, in Bible school they say, subsequent, or that comes after being born again. And it's what we call being filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Ghost. But one thing that the church world in, as a whole has done is relegate the Holy Spirit to a language. Or a... a, a He's a fire or he's um, the wind. Well, he, he manifests himself in different ways, but he actually is a person. Remember, Jesus said that when he, the spirit of truth shall come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. Now, I think Jesus could have said it without so many personal pronouns, but I think it was an emphasis that he wanted to make that he is a person. People say sometimes, well, did you feel the Holy Spirit or did you feel it? Now, I can, I can understand what they're saying, like feel the experience, but it is actually a he. Amen. And so one thing that you'll never do is you'll never fellowship with an it. You know, what if, what if, someone, um, what if someone saw you and you're coming in the building and they say, oh, did you, um, did you see George over there? or you know he's about to walk in. Yep. There it is. You know, you most people would be offended at that statement. Why? Because it is different than he. But one thing just like we said in the um in the offering time, we are not ashamed of the offerings of the Lord. We are not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Or the people who carry him. You know, we don't just have the holy spirit in the back room and you know if you like a little extra from the holy spirit um at 1205 we'll meet in the back room. No. We 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 are going to allow him to move in our midst. If people don't like it, then they don't like it. But I'm I'm more concerned about offending him than I am other people. Hallelujah. But this experience is for us today. And and one thing that you have to realize is Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is only the beginning of your walk, not the end. You know, some people think, well, this one guy went to a revival meeting, and they said um, he went like the first night, the second night, third night. Then he, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. He spoke with other tongues, and then he never showed up the rest of the revival. Didn't show up the next day or the next day. And they said, where have you been? He said, well, didn't you hear? I got through. He said he said you didn't arrive, that's just the beginning. That's not the end of the experience. But when you take the supernatural out of Christianity, it ceases to be Christianity. Christianity is full of the Christ. You know, Christ to a lot of people is just that was Jesus last name, but that's not his last name. <laughs> that's just his title. Who he was. He was the Christ, which means the anointed one and his anointing. So what is Christianity? It's not a dead religion. It's the Christ who is a person and his anointing working in your life. That's why it's all, we always say this. It's about a personal relationship. I grew up in what we would just call a religious setting where it was void of the power of God. For I was in church the first 14 years of my life. About the only significant thing that happened is I was, I was a wise man at Christmas, and I was the baby Jesus back in 1974, the first baby Jesus for that church. But anything else, was there was no supernatural power of God. But this, the, the church of Jesus Christ, and also, I'm not talking about the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Let me just... Okay, i just make sure I qualify that. But the Church of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is a supernatural church. Hallelujah. A Book of Acts church. So that's why, as believers, we have to be hungry for Him. We have to be thirsty for His presence. And as you know, we celebrated uh, Resurrection Sunday a, a few weeks ago. Traditionally, 50 days later is Pentecost. But I'm not going to wait till Pentecost Sunday to preach about Pentecost because we, we're Pente- we speak about Pentecost every Sunday of the year. We believe in the move of God every Sunday of the year. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You know, one thing that we have to understand, and this is just my introduction, by the way, but one thing we have to understand is a lot of times today, in the church world, people get nervous when you talk about the Holy Ghost. Like, they hear the word ghost, for one thing, and that's just the old English word. We'll, we'll dress him up real good, Holy Spirit. You know, people get nervous, but it's just because they don't know him. I mean, I know what it was like when I first um, came to church, and, and I was around people that raised their hands. That was, like, wild to me. But I never felt uncomfortable. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit's presence. He doesn't make people uncomfortable. And you know, the Holy Spirit, He'll never make you do anything. You know, people think, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to do this. You know, the Holy Spirit's just going to grab my tongue and just, you know, shake it or something. The Holy Spirit's not like that. He's a gentleman. And you know, one thing about his, God's character is He'll never make you do anything you don't want to do. And that's one thing that I love about Him because if you don't want to do something, He's not going to force you. It's demons that force people to do things. But I want to share this morning about five biblical accounts of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Because it's important that we look and see what the Bible actually tells us. Not just what tradition tells us. Not just what religious experience tells us. And I want to preface it with this. A lot of people think it's strange nowadays if you speak in tongues if you're, you're full of the Holy Ghost. But do you know that in the New, the New Testament, the book of Acts, all the epistles, they were written by people who spoke in tongues. And they were written unto people that spoke with tongues. So to them, it, was odd, it wasn't odd. What was odd is if people didn't receive in their mind. And so it's not a strange thing. It's a normal thing. What's the plan of God? The plan of God is that people be born again. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will is those that, that are born again would be filled with the Spirit. Do they have to, to be, go to heaven? Of course not. But it's an extra blessing. It's an extra experience that where the Holy Ghost comes to indwell people to give them everything they need. And then it's God's will that those people... Be raised up, that they grow up in the things of God. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 17, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So look in, um, you can just hold your place in Acts chapter 2. Listen to uh, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Jesus, some of the last words he told the disciples before he left. He says, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So he said, okay, I know you boys are real excited and and want to preach, but wait until you have this experience. Now, I don't know what they were waiting for. Look over in um, Acts chapter 1. Jesus, after he had shown himself, the Bible tells us, for 40 days and appeared to them. In verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his power, but you shall receive power. See, that's what being baptized in the Holy Ghost is about, receiving power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And then the Bible tells us he was received up into heaven. But I want you to look um, in Acts chapter 2. Five biblical accounts of people receiving the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. There's that suddenly again. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what happens when people are filled, according to Acts 2 verse 4? What happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit? One of uh, the first evidence is that they begin to speak. In another tongue, as the Spirit gives utterance. You know, sometimes people mistakenly think, "Well, you know, I don't want it to be me." Well, it wouldn't be your brother; it'd be you speaking, right? What do What do people usually think? Well, I don't want it to be me. You know, I want it to be the Holy Spirit. So, you want the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues? The Holy Spirit doesn't speak in tongues. He gives you the utterance, and you begin to speak. So. Notice here it says, I want you to skip down and look in verse 12. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. Well, you, know, you don't know how close they were to the truth. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known to you, hearken to my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. So he he didn't say they weren't drunk, but not drunk like you think. They were under the influence, but not of, of wine or alcohol. He says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. I, I like what even Brother Hagin in his seventies he said, because he had visions and you know all throughout his life of the Lord. He said, "I'm just a young man." He said, "The young man shall see visions." So <laughs> he says, "And, and oh, my servants and oh, my handmaidens." So that means ladies too. Amen. Well, you know we don't believe in those women preachers. Well. This verse says, And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. You know, the Bible talks about Philip the evangelist. He had four daughters, virgins, that did prophesy. Amen. So women can be used in the move of God just like men. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I will show. Wanders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned in darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. <clears throat> now skip back down to uh, verse 38. This was our text. And then Peter said, and them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift Of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. So people say, well, you know, the the miracles that we see in the Bible, they passed away with the last apostle. But the Bible says here, speaking of the Holy Spirit, it says, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Well, I would say that 2,000 years later, we are the ones that are are far off. And so he says, even as the Lord, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Is God still calling people today? That he's still filling people today as well. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. (laughs) In the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Wow, that's on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 right here, born again. We see 5,000, we see 3,000. So we know that at the beginning of the church, there's at least 8,120. And the churches grew and grew. Then they that gladly received His word were baptized the same day added 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 47 at the end says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Hallelujah. So this is what we see, the, the, the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit where He came to indwell man. Never do we have to pray again that God would send the Holy Spirit. and We'll see this in just a minute. But he's already here. Oh God, just send your power just now. He's already here. Hallelujah. But look over in um, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We see Philip. The Bible tells us in verse 5 that he went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And we see that the Bible says that the people gave heed unto him, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and they were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. The church needs joy. Hallelujah. See, when miracles happen, when, when people are delivered, when devils come out, then there's going to be great joy in the city. The Bible goes on to talk about, um, in verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, <coughs> beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, look at verse 14. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, for what reason? That they might receive the Holy Ghost. Notice they, they didn't pray that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Lord, just send your power from heaven right now. No, he didn't pray that they would... Uh, that the Holy Spirit would be sent, but he prayed that the people would receive. Why? Because he's already been sent. For as as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now notice what happened in verse 17. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. So there's actually, you'll see this, that Peter and John had a ministry along this line where they prayed for people that they would, and laid hands on them, that they would receive the Holy Ghost. And of course, we see that Simon, he saw this too, but Peter rebuked him. (laughs) Peter said, repent of this, your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. And so what did he want to do? He wanted to to use that power and, and, and actually make money off of it too. Peter says, your heart's not right in the sight of God. But I want you to notice that when they came down, that they came down and laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then look over in Acts chapter 9. Everyone okay this morning? <clears throat> Acts chapter 9. We see this is the, when Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul, where he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus asked him, you know, why are you persecuting me? He said, Lord, what have I persecuted you? I mean, he didn't physically persecute Jesus. But when he persecuted the church, Jesus took it personally. And so he tells him what to go do. And he says, go into this city and it shall be told you what you must do. A lot of times that's the way it is in life. We want the whole plan. But the Lord says, go in the city and I'll tell you what to do. Go take this step, and then I'll tell you. But Lord, what's step two and three? You take the first step, and I'll tell you the rest. Why? Because God's a faith God. And so, notice what he says here. You skip down to verse 11. The Lord appears to a man named Ananias. He says, Go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard of many of this man, how much evil he's done by the saints of Jerusalem. And the Lord tells him he's a chosen vessel. Go your way. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him. Notice the laying on of hands. And he said, Brother Saul. Now, that, t- that took some revelation for him to say that. Because otherwise, I mean, he he'd already said, Lord, I know this guy. He's caused a lot of problems in the church. He said, don't worry. He's a chosen vessel of mine. So he goes on, lays hands on him and says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus that appeared unto you in the way as you came hath sent me, that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and rose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. So I want you to notice he laid hands on, on Paul to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now it doesn't say it here but you know from other passages that he did speak in tongues because Paul said this. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He, he definitely was from the South. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. <laughs> Yet in the church, I would rather speak in my own language. So most of his praying was out in tongues was outside of church, but he did speak in tongues a tremendous amount. Hallelujah. Look over at Acts chapter 10. See, we're talking about this because the days that are coming, people need the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not a language, it's not just a feeling, it's not a goosebump. It is a divine encounter with the third person of the Godhead where God infuses His inner strength on the inside of you. I cannot overestimate the value of praying in the Holy Ghost. Times when you don't know how to pray about something. Times when things are going on in your family that you don't know about. Things that are going on in in the nation. The Bible tells us that when you pray in an unknown tongue, your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful. And the Bible talks about praying... In, in Romans chapter 8, you're praying the perfect, in fact, let me just, um, just hold your place there. Romans chapter 8. In verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps our infirmities. What, what's our infirmities? For we know not what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray about things that we know not of. Thank God, that because I I can't overestimate that. The the times where the Lord has helped me to pray things that I knew not of. So, what do I do? I say, Holy Spirit, help me to pray. I pray the best I do in English. I mean, some some people who speak in tongues, they get real lazy spiritually, and they just... They just pray straight in tongues, but you need to to start out and, and exhaust your vocabulary as much as you can. For some people, that wouldn't be too long, you know. <laughs> but you exhaust your vocabulary, and then you say, "Holy Spirit, I trust you right now. I, I ask you for utterance in the Holy Ghost." Then you begin to just pray in the Holy Ghost, and you begin to just speak in another tongue. And God, the the Bible says that He helps our infirmities. He t- you know what that word helps means? It means he takes hold together with you against the problem. So, you know, if, if I said, if I said, okay, brother, I need help with this piano. Can you help me uh, move it over here? You know, and it's got wheels on it. Could I tell if he was helping me or not? Of course, it's not a, not a trick question. I could, I could tell if he was helping me with that. Well, the same way you need to be able to tell if the Holy Spirit's helping you with something. You need to be able to tell if He's hooked up with you. And thank God He does. He hooks up with you against the problem and against the infirmity. Hallelujah. But look over at Acts chapter 10. We're not ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10. Verse 38 says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. And you skip down. See, Peter had been preaching this message unto them. In verse 44, look at this. When Peter, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. So as Peter is preaching the word, the Holy Ghost fell on them. He didn't even ask if it was okay. He just fell on them right there as he's preaching. You know why? Because what happens is the Bible says that God confirms his word with signs following. He doesn't confirm your personality. He doesn't confirm... Your, your family pedigree, he doesn't confirm anything but your word, but the Word of God that you're preaching. So if, if you want something to be confirmed, if you, Lord, I want more signs and miracles. Okay, to preach the Word. Lord, I want um, gifts of the Spirit in operation. Preach the Word. Lord, I want miracles to happen. Preach the Word. <laughs> I heard a man of God say that he was, he was concerned about the, the lack of miracles in his church. And so he said, Lord... He began to fast and pray for three days. And the Lord showed him, he said, preach the word. And he thought automatically, well, I'm doing that already. And he said, he said examine what you're preaching. The Lord told him, examine what you're preaching. He said, to my amazement, I was preaching about 60% word. He said about 30% unbelief. And 10% tradition. He said that that unbelief, I just, I I cut that out immediately. He said, but that tradition was hard to get rid of. We we preach things just because it's tradition. But notice here, he says, after he's preaching the word, the Holy Ghost fell. So as you preach the word of God, even as you're sharing the word of God to other people. See, this works one-on-one just like it does in a congregation. You can be sharing with somebody at, at the job site. You, you can be on, in the oil field. You can be anywhere. You can be building machine, you know, putting machinery together. You can, anything that you're doing. You can share the word with somebody and boom, the word of God, whew, he just comes down and falls on that word. So if you give no word, then you give him nothing to work with. Amen. So that's why that's why we encourage you to read your chapter every day. You, you can be right at home in your kitchen reading your chapter, and I'd encourage you to read it out loud. Just read that one chapter out day. Read out, read it in faith, read it out loud and say, Lord, I thank you for this word. As you read it, the Holy Ghost comes on you. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I can't speak for you, but I know about me. You can just read a, a passage and the power of God hits you. You just realize how good God is. I mean, I'm not going to stop saying, oh, Lord, I shouldn't be doing that. I'm sorry, you know. No, when the, when the power of God hits you, you yield to that. Amen. How much more when you're in a corporate setting like this today? That's why people need to be in church Every time that they can. Why? Because the book of Acts tells us in Acts chapter 4 that when Peter and John were threatened, you know that they were threatened many times, they were beaten many times. It said that, you know, they didn't cry and say, oh God, you know, poor old me, I'm just trying to serve you right now. But it said, no, they rejoiced that they were worthy to be beaten, actually beaten. Lord, I just thank you, I I was worthy for that, you know. And they rejoiced. They count it worthy to be beaten for the name of Jesus. Why? Because the religious leaders were so scared of the name of Jesus. That name, demons tremble. That name, the captives are set free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> but notice here. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished. Why? Because of the power of God. They, they, they saw the Holy Ghost fall on people. And as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do you remember that's the one thing that, that in this same chapter that Peter had a problem with? He said, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. He said, don't you call unclean that which I've cleansed. See, that's why, that's why as a believer, you cannot have any racism in you. Let me say it one more time. As a believer, you can have no racism in you. I mean, I know what it's like growing up in the South. And I mean, you, you just hear the people talk and, and people think that it's Bible. Well, you know, you, this and this. You, you want to say, okay, can you give me some chapter and verse for that? Well, you know, that's just always what we believed. Amen. But see, that's what Peter had a problem with. He said, See, he had a problem with the Gentiles until the Lord showed him and said, don't call that which is common and don't call common what I've cleansed. Why? Because he's saying the Gentiles are going to receive too, not just the Jews. And he says, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do we know that the, the power of the Holy Ghost was poured out? Look at verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. What does, what's the advantage of praying in tongues? As I pray in the Spirit, I'm magnifying God. I'm making Him bigger than, you know, you can't make God any bigger than He is, but He can sure be bigger to you. As I, as I just lift my voice and just pray in the Spirit, sing in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, I'm magnifying Him. I'm making Him bigger. I'm making it bigger over the circumstances. I'm making it bigger over the trials. I'm making it bigger over everything I'm facing. I I like what I heard one minister say this. He said, uh, how do you get to that place? He was was talking about praying in the spirit and and actually getting over. You know, you can pray a little bit in in other tongues, but, you you know, you're just kind of like on a real low level. But he was talking about just getting over into the, where you're more conscious of the things of the spirit than you are just the natural. And so, you know, when you get there and you're in a different place, he said, how do you get there? He said, well, you know, you just begin to pray an hour. He said, pray in tongues an hour, five or six. But that's, that's the problem, isn't it? People don't want to spend the time. Hallelujah. But they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized. It's amazing when you see people, they didn't waste any time to get baptized as well. I mean, we, we, do, we do baptisms. If there's anybody that, that wants to be baptized, sign up on the, the sign-up sheet. I don't know if we have one back there, but we do those. The last one we did, we just took one individual to this hotel over here, got them baptized. Amen. But we see that with uh, Philip. He took the, uh, the eunuch. And the Bible says that he, he asked the eunuch, do you understand what this is? And it said, preach Jesus. See, that's one thing about evangelists. You, you can start with any letter of the alphabet, and they'll start to preach Jesus to you. And that's what he did. And, and, and the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, can I be baptized? He said, Yeah. He said, boys, stop the chariot. So they, they stopped the chariot. He got out. He saw a thing of water. I don't know how muddy it was, but he got off and, and got down in there and, and got baptized. And then it said that Philip was found no more. He was translated some 90 miles away. I've heard 26 miles. I've heard 90 miles. Anyway, other side a long way to be translated. Still a long way to be translated. <laughs> Hallelujah. But all that happened because of the preaching of the word and the Holy Spirit fell on them. The last chapter not I get is Acts chapter 19. Why is the book of Acts so important? Because that's the never church today. If you look at uh, the book of Acts, it's the only book that was Acts today. Farewell. It was never finished. Why? Because we're in the book of Acts that while Apollos was at Corinth, chapter 19, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received? People might say, well, you know, and they might argue with him and say, I have the Holy Spirit just as much as you do, and I don't speak in tongues. And I would say, yes, you do have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you can't be born again without him making his home on the inside of you. Why? Because the Bible talk, but the Bible talks about three baptisms: the baptism into the body of Christ, baptism of water, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The disciples was there, and it said Jesus breathed on them, and it said, "Receive the Holy Ghost." What do you think that they did? If Jesus said receive, I believe that they received. But what that receiving the Holy Ghost was was they got born again. They didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. They got born again. The Spirit of God came on the inside. But then we see in Acts chapter 2, those same individuals, the disciples, the Spirit of God came up on them, upon them. What is that for? That's for service. That's for service. That's why he said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. So that's for, the, the, the power of God coming upon you is for work. How many think it's good if you work at a job, they give you the right tools? (laughs) I need the right hammer. I'm sorry, boss. I need this and that. Um, I I need a, I'm going to this other town. I need a map. You know, I need to know. Well, the Holy Spirit gives us the right tools. He doesn't just send us out there. That's why whatever he calls you to do, whom God calls, we say it like this. Whom God calls, he equips. He, He gives us the spiritual equipment to do the job. You know what part of that spiritual equipment is? It's called anointing. Amen. And it's a dangerous thing not to have the anointing with you. And the anointing, people think, well, yeah, but you're preaching. I don't have the anointing. No, you have the anointing in business. You can have the anointing working on a well. I know, I know some people in this room right now would say, I definitely need the anointing with my job. Amen. Amen. I know Matt does. (laughs) Hallelujah. But Acts 19, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? So what he's saying is this. You did believe, and the Holy Spirit came within you, but have you received him? Have you been baptized? Have you received this endowment of power since you believed? And they said, we've not even heard if there be a Holy Ghost. Well, he said unto them, unto what were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they got saved at that point. Not, not just a baptism where they were baptized in water, and that saved them. Baptism in water doesn't save anybody. It's as a result of after being born again. But here they got born again in the verse six, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. So you know, sometimes people say, Well, you know, there's nothing in my hands. Well, as the source, there is not. But we should carry something on the inside. And we see even later in this chapter that Paul, the Bible tells us that he wrought, God wrought special miracles in verse 11 by the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. One thing that I believe the church... Now, he was talking about sending cloths, and that's scriptural too. That God can, I mean, there's miraculous testimonies that I've heard where people being delivered, I mean, I've heard of, of awesome testimonies where, now, now some of the ladies might get some ideas here, but <laughs> um, I heard of the testimonies of, like, maybe a, a husband was, you know, he just wasn't living for God or, or different things were happening, and they took a piece of cloth. Put it into the pillow. And they started, they got to where they were restless and they just couldn't, they couldn't. And and what was happening? The Lord was dealing with them. That that is something we see in the Bible. Through cloth, that that things can happen. People can be prayed for. You can send a a handkerchief to someone to be healed. Amen. It's like R.W. Schambach used to say he was a great tent preacher. And he said, that, he said, no man likes looking heavier than he is. But he said, I, he used to wear all these cloths. Instead of just anointing them, he would wear them like, like in, under his jacket. And so then people would take the handkerchiefs and, and they'd, they'd send it away, especially people that couldn't make it to the meetings. Now, if you can be in the meetings, then there was no need for that. But, hey, so-and-so's in the hospital. Let me have a handkerchief. They'd take the handkerchief. I've heard of people like that. In a hospital, they throw it on the, the person and they revive. Amen. Don't limit the supernatural. People that would see visions of Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> but look, look once again, verse 6. He said, When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. One of the things that I believe the church in many circles has lost the appreciation for the laying on of hands. Sometimes people think, well, you know, you you sure make a doctrine out of that. Well, I don't have to make a doctrine out of it. Jesus already did. The Bible talks about that the the principles, let us, in um, Hebrews 6, let us therefore leave the, the foundation. You know, at some point you should grow up, shouldn't you? You know, if you're still... If you're 12 years old and you're still eating baby formula, something's wrong. If you're 18 and you think, boy, I, I just really like this plum-flavored Gerber. Well, something's wrong. Even though my mom, she used to make plum cake with that Gerber um, baby food. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But laying on of hands, he says, going from the foundation, one of the things he says is the laying on of hands. That is a fundamental doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But, but I want you to just see today that not just when we talk about the things of the Holy Ghost, it's not something that we make up. It's not just some doctrine of some church. It's not just something that the River Church has made up. 2,000 years ago, in an upper room, And I've been in the upper room in in, um, Israel. In that upper room, there was 120. He said, wait, you have to have this power. You have to have this anointing to go. Don't go without it. It'd be like going to the military and you're going out and you just have your street clothes. Don't go until you had your correct gear and regalia. Why? Because you won't be prepared. You won't be ready. But with his help, one of the greatest words of the Holy Spirit in the book of John is he is our helper. Our helper. Do you need help today? For the three of you that do, (laughs) I need help on a daily basis. I don't know how to pray correctly. I don't know how to... To, I don't even know how to read my Bible correctly. I don't know how to function properly. And see, that's the beginning, is you admit, Lord, I need your help today. I need your help. And let me just say this. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is just the beginning. It's the foundation. A lot of people think, well, people that speak in tongues, well, you just make a big deal out of that. And there might be a couple of reasons why they think that. Number one, because it's the initial evidence when one's been filled. And also, it's the way you continually stay filled. The same way you get filled is the same way you stay filled by speaking. And you know, the most spiritual people that I know are some of the most normal people I know. You know, being spiritual doesn't mean that you have to be weird. You know, you can be normal and have a job and still be spiritual and love your wife and cut the grass you know it's like our pastor said some people are so anointed they don't even go to the restroom anymore and they're full of it <laughs> but you can have a normal life and live in the supernatural the, the, the supernatural should be supernaturally natural can you say amen hallelujah hallelujah Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for touching the hearts of people. Lord, even as we've endeavored to share your word today, I thank you, Lord, for the reality of the indwelling presence of the Holy Ghost. Lord, we just thank you that, tooth out for that, because comforter. Lord, I know how this, Lord, that we would never be alone. I thank you, lonely, because, Lord, I know how, before I was born again, how lonely I was. And Lord, have you changed my life and filled me with purpose and you filled me with, Lord, just knowing that you're always with me. And you, as you told the disciples, lo, I'm with you even until the end of this age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. <laughs> so we thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name.